0: Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode sixty two of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me as always is the one, the only Hector. How's it going, Hector? Oh, you know, just
1: out here being the DJ Khaled of the Nerdy Geek World. And another one. And another one. <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, well, I guess that's a thing now. So Hector is seen on DC Swamp Thing and the DJ Khaled of the Nerd World is now his new title and will be used henceforth. So strap yourselves and prepare yourselves for We've Got Comic Sight.
1: <laughs> put the word out. can for the nerd out. on
0: today's episode of the pull list we've got a wonderful show for you we're going to hit the latest news that you need to know our must pull recommendations from the last two weeks our favorite new number ones and so much more for this is the Pollist podcast <laughs> So, Hector, as we wander into the newsroom, I have exciting news as I am now not wandering into my closet, but our space here uh, at Columbus Got Game, our nonprofit that I'm running here in Columbus. So, I feel like is it's official. Is that one of those
1: that... skill arcades where people gamble? N- what? <laughs> Maybe? You know, I mean, those like no. seedy things that look
0: like neon gas stations where people go and play <laughs> slot machines. <laughs> right? Is that Actually, what it is? We Actually, ha- we do have those here and No. <laughs> uh, that's a firm no, but it is slightly larger than a closet. Uh, I do have a door, but it now requires me to stand up and go to it to close it. So I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. But um, it, it's good to be in a space that we've been working towards getting towards. So I guess that's like a self humble brag, but it's good. So, Pat, self, we're doing it. Um, but news. So let's talk about the news in the comic book industry. Um, Good news, everyone. I, yeah, I, I don't have anything to say about Penguin Random House's shipping because I guess that got mostly worked out because I didn't see hordes of angry retailers over the last two weeks. I so, will say
1: that every shop that I associate with had their books late this week on all fronts. So just throwing yes. that out there.
0: <laughs> um, I think that's general shipping because, yes, I know that DC did run late a few places and everything. But, you know, I... I I guess the new battle cry is supply chain. Um, And we'll just see how that plays out. And we do have a little news on that, but I'm going to save that for the wrap up. So let's get into some of the comic-y things that are going on. And right off the top, I'm going to get a bunch of you really excited. And then I'm going to pull the rug out from under you because clickbait on the internet is a thing. But it's still good. And that's Swamp Thing is getting a season two. Kind of, sort of but not what that article meant at all. But what it meant is the current run on DC Swamp Thing um, was designed to be a 10-part mini, and it was going to end. But it was just so darn good, they've decided that they're going to take a short hiatus, and issue 11 is going to hit, and it's going to be continue to become an ongoing. So I guess the moral of the story is, if you have a really good Swamp Thing thing going on so you had to put a comma there um but not a man and the fans right the fans say lots of great stuff then apparently you get more of it unless it's on television and then you just get nothing and it makes hector sad yes It, it makes us all sad but um so yeah, sorry, buddy. If you saw that in the notes and you were like, "Yay!" just just kidding. Um, I did. I literally
1: but, um, almost texted the guy who runs the production for Swamp Thing here in Wilmington, and I'm like, "Is this happening?" And I'm like, "I should wait for the podcast."
0: You're gonna wait for the ah, yep. yeah. It, so good, good, good times. Literally says Swamp Thing gets second season, and then you're like, "Oh, they mean season as in comic books, which is not how that works." But okay, Mm-mm. um, but. There's a, I guess the like other, a dozen yeah. better other ways to phrase that. Right? And it's clear that that was done that way so people would click on it and go, "Yay, I get more." Nope, just just kidding. Oh. <laughs> um so, yeah, if you've been enjoying the current Swamp Thing run, you're going to get more of it is the short answer to all of that and given DC Comics current state, the fear state, huh, waka waka, um which it, next it's nice issue is
1: supposed to be the end of that for the Batman run.
0: Oh, thank goodness.
1: What? I'm um, sorry. Um, like, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I read Batman last night and the end of it said to be concluded.
0: Oh, thank goodness. But there could be 20 comics between point A and point B because um, reasons, but I've not been reading any of the extended because that that just needs to end so we can move on um, with our wonderful DC lives. But more Swamp Thing is coming early 2022 i think february they said is when 11 will hit uh switching gears over to the other side of the big two marvel has decided that the world needs more iron fist um except that it's going to be a new iron fist or at least we know that it's not danny rand and yeah so i don't know about you Uh, did you need more of the iron fist in in your marvel reading um i
1: don't know I don't know that I needed more Iron Fist in my Marvel reading. I felt like I needed more Iron Fist in like live action. I felt like Shang-Chi showed me very well what Iron Fist could be. Yeah. And uh and it made me actually want a solid Iron Fist. Now, I don't know if you saw as well, but one of the co-creators of the character of Iron Fist actually liked the Netflix version and stood by the casting.
0: Sure. I mean, I didn't – I was probably one of the few people that didn't dislike the casting or how it went that – yeah, I get it. The first season was slow in general, but I felt like the second season they started to figure out what they needed to know. Um, We were getting the Daughters of the Dragon storyline and everything else is like, yeah, I want more of this. I'm okay with this. This is good. Um, So – now that you know everybody's contracts from the Netflix era is starting to you know lapse, and Disney Plus and MCU proper can start to consider their new realities, maybe we see something. Maybe we don't. It's hard to say. Um, but either way, more Iron Fist is coming for reading, and maybe that the Disney machine and the MCU slash the Marvel machine is not stupid. They generally do things side by side. On purpose, which means sometimes you can read into the tea leaves of um, publishing schedules even if we haven't seen potential digital content or something else. So who knows? And this gives them an option potentially to recast, I suppose. If it's not Danny Rand, it's another person, then they can go a different direction if they choose to. So question I mean
1: Hawkeye has been Daredevil, so why not? I mean – here we are. <laughs> Actually, my my one thought was that I want to see Shang Chi also be the Iron Fist. Was my f- desire. I want him yeah. to have the rings and the Iron Fist. That's what I want.
0: I mean, that's another one of those. In theory, he could be. Yeah. He he could do the thing. So hold on to your hats, folks. It I guess flying fists and iron fury and all that good stuff is coming. Um, But we get to wait till February because as we've talked about in other shows, welcome to the part of the year where the comic book industry tends to go slightly dormant until early of the following first quarter and then just dumps a bunch of new stuff leading up to their big summer events and all that good stuff. So we'll see what sticks. We'll see what continues and keep talking about all that cool stuff. Switching gears kind of slightly into the industry and stuff going on on industry side, Um, A few things of note kind of happened over the last couple weeks, and one of those is, if you didn't see it, buried kind of in the news was that they're associated with Image Comics, but technically it's an independent organization, Um, the Comic Book Workers United Union, um, that, yes, a group of publishing side creatives and others have decided to unionize, and Image is like, cool, we down. Um, and. It seems random. Probably a bunch of people are like, okay, fine, whatever. Artists, you love your unions. Um, But this is kind of actually a pretty big deal for an industry that, unfortunately, creatives and people involved in the publishing side and the creative process are probably the ones that have gotten the short end of the stick the most. Um, So lots of people had lots of stuff to say, some supportive, some not so supportive. But There is this movement just kind of in general as we've seen over the last three months or so across the country of folks looking for better wages, better work conditions, et cetera, and that was not isolated to outside the comic industry. So there's not a lot about what's going on except that this organization exists, that Image seems to be supportive of their existence, and it truly is providing a voice to a cross-section of creatives that – kind of had to fight their own fights for a very long time so i think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out what that truly means for publisher side what that means for creatives going forward i don't know but it's it's certainly a new concept to an industry that is you know 80 plus years old (laughs) um and hasn't really had any way for individual creatives or even um Folks in editorial to have any type of, well, voice really beyond themselves kind of shouting into a dark hole of publishers with money being like, cool, do you want your thing done or not? So having lots of friends that are in the creative space, I'm actually – I'm kind of hopeful this might create some standards that mean better page rates for creatives that deserve it, and that's like most of them, honestly, Um, and royalties that – mean that comic book artists don't have two or three jobs just to be able to produce their content. Um, the comic book industry is really fascinating when it gets into that stuff. And I know you know a lot of folks too, Hector, and you see a lot of them at shows that this is the thing that comes up from time to time of, we've had friends for years that had you know, their day job and like had their Marvel comic, and it's like, what? You're writing for a big two, but... No health insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Well, man, that's yep. one of the things that
1: I didn't realize until I started going to stuff like Heroes Con and talking yep. to these people that these people create some of the biggest properties in the universe, and then like literally make less than Taco Bell's offering now for starting.
0: Yeah, literally pennies on the pennies on the book per royalty. Um. It's, it's pretty wild. And then – or finding out that some of them are writing top titles and don't even get insurance, that they literally have another job just so they can have healthcare and other stuff, that it, it's a real thing. Um, so I'm curious to see how that ultimately plays out in the long run um, for the industry and what that looks like for everybody involved. And then finally, because I promised we would get here um, – the article that I've linked in the notes for everyone once you guys get the notes for this episode was DC. But DC and Marvel both have let a lot of their fall-winter schedule slip into next quarter, into early next year. That if there are books that you were like, hey, wasn't that cool thing supposed to come out this week? You're right. It was and it didn't. Um That because of what's being cited as the current paper shortages, which we mentioned a few episodes ago, um, are impacting publishing schedules now, that they're deciding what to publish and what not to publish or push later into the schedules, which is wild. So good luck finding bags and boards. And some of the stuff that you're looking for, yeah, it was supposed to come out, but it's now going to be either late December or January, February now for a lot of books. And another thing that wasn't mentioned in this particular article but has kind of been brought into it for the printer issues, paper shortages, and just supply chain in general is both DC and Marvel were scheduled late this year to finally drop a bunch of omnibuses of historical stuff. So, you know, those big paperweight books that – well, Hector and I love to recommend because you can just pick up literally this giant thing and crush an entire – arc or story i have 14 of them on the shelf beside me right now right so (laughs) both dc and marvel have been promising some of their deeper catalog for years now that's not an exaggeration there's some parts of the catalog that retailers are like print the book we will sell it we promise print the book Um, and they were supposed to fall this quarter and because of this stuff they're like nah we no (laughs) so yeah so if you've been keeping an eye on release dates on some things and you rolled into your store and were like, where is it? Um, it was either late this week or, yeah, you're not getting it for the next couple months. That It's just what it is at the moment. So, uh, yeah, um, when we see stuff in the news, it's not always just – the rest of the world sometimes it filters into our little corner of the universe that is the comic book industry as well so when you hear words like supply chain and all that good stuff well we're we're all going along for that journey together um so yeah that's that's kind of the stuff that i had for the last couple weeks i don't know if you caught anything that you wanted to bring up or not you catch anything that i missed Not particularly i'm sure the the community'll tell us that we missed everything because that's what they're there for. But but we love you. Um, so yeah, so that's what you need to know. That's our bi weekly look at the industry and delivering you all of that insider knowledge. And as always, like I just said, you could join in on that conversation with Hector I and all of your other nerdy friends over there at Love Thy Nerd on the Discord and on the book of faces and I use uh, the disc- Discord for the LTN con. <laughs>
1: uh, hey, you, you I did you it.
0: Did? <laughs> I did Aww. it. Hector, Hector did I, a thing. I did it, you guys. I did it. oh Yay. So we all, we all clap for Hector. It's the little steps and things. And then I'll but... do it again next year. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you can catch me in the Discord occasionally <laughs> and both of us over the Facebook community. Tell us what you liked, what you hated, or um, probably what we missed this week. Uh, but it's a great time to be able to be together in community. And so – that means we get to spend the rest of the show talking about those things that we love so dearly, those comics that we covet. We head to the store for to place in our I don't long covet boxes.
1: God said no.
0: Oh well, <laughs> you're not wrong, but I guess that's a good point. So so don't do that. Um, that that'd be bad recommendations from from your humble hosts, but enjoy Next collecting. Chris is going to say lust after your neighbor's wife, but you know, whatever. <laughs> no, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm supposed to transition this into allowing you to talk? Wow, Okay. Yeah, so Hector, tell tell us about all of the comics that you're not coveting um, this week, but you really think others sh- should uh, grab and and add to their long box. Okay, sorry guys, I'm. He's not jovial. sorry. Yeah, moderately.
1: <laughs> um, another one. Um, so <laughs> I'm gonna start out with a uh, Wonder Girl number four. Ooh. Um, Wonder Girl has. You know, I've loved uh, this representation of Yara since, like, uh, the minute we got her in, um, you know, the Future statey stuff. Um, Right. Because she was
0: spicy from the beginning.
1: She was. And uh, she was great. And I've really enjoyed her um, stuff. Uh, But uh, this is her solo book. And I'll say this. It is not um, the most coherent storyline of all the books I'm reading or anything like that. Um but it is good. It is a good investment story. and I'm gonna just throw this out there. This one is in my pulls, not because just I enjoy this, but for the flipping art alone. um this book is immaculately gorgeous. Um Ooh. this is uh, supposed to take like show like uh, a long period of Yara's training to become the champion of Hera and um, a lot of stuff's happening, but um, there are like maybe five double page spreads that show like, I guess, years worth of work for her. Um, Hmm. But it's like experiences and stuff like that. And all of these spreads are like uh, monotone or really uniquely colored, but incredibly detailed images Um, I would buy posters of all of these pages. Um, again, the story's good. It's not the best story you'll pick up in a comic book right now, but it very well may be the best art you'll pick up in a comic book right now. And I'm not saying that you only buy books for art's sake, but man, this is really, really gorgeous artwork. And that's, um, I'll buy this book as long as it's running. um, But it's good. Also, you get some cute interaction with uh, the OG Wonder Girl and um, Artemis, uh, formerly of of Red Hood and the Outlaws, with Yara. Ah, yes. So I'm a big Artemis fan because of Red Hood and the Outlaws, and I miss seeing her interact with those guys, but this is a nice substitute. So there's that. But I strongly recommend, if you just really enjoy dope art, at least walk through your local comic book shop and browse this book. If they let you, you know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) until (laughs) somebody throws something at you and is like, stop it. We're not a library.
1: Yes. There's that. Um, I honestly assumed I'm going to jump over to nightwing. Um, I honestly assumed I wouldn't be putting nightwing in my pulls because it's a fear state tie in. And I'm still really, really mad that (laughs) a fantastic, Nightwing story got record skipped to do a fear state tie-in. Um, but that being said, of all the fear state tie-ins, this one's the most well done.
0: Um, I guess that says something for the creative team that they survived the record, the record oh, skip. And by the way... Um,
1: the the creative team apologizes for it in the story through the characters.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: Like, um, so this Fear Street, ti- Fear Street. I'm sorry, I'm going R.L. <laughs> Stein. Um, that's what I think every time. Um, this Fear State tie-in uh, has um Barbara getting in trouble with the Oracle stuff, like when Fear State kicks off, and so Dick comes to rescue her. In innocence. Um right. Like turns ter- Yeah. And it turns into a Nightwing story, but it's really much more of a Barbara Gordon story. Um mm. and uh also involving which is now called the Batgirls, which if you haven't been reading uh Batman proper stuff for a while, um there is a new label for the Birds of Prey style girls that are attached to Barbara. And now Barbara, mm-hmm. Stephanie, and Cass are all referred to as the Batgirls.
0: And I believe that book is coming early next year. I, yeah, I I believe that's all very specific. Yeah. And just like there's a Robins book. Um so I mean,
1: but I love Cass. Uh I think her rebranding as Orphan was brilliant. Um mm-hmm but uh either way in this book there's a line where um where barb is like he's here because of me when he had literally just started the best chapter of his life and i ha- and because of this he's pulled away mm. <laughs> It's like you can literally see Tom Taylor saying, "I'm mad that this is happening," <laughs> but here's what I got. Uh, so if, if oh if you, wow, I mean, it's this. It literally reads like Tom Taylor is apologizing to the reader um, for having to my do bad, this. <laughs> my bad. Um, but that being said, uh, you get some good barber interaction, and I'll say this: um, there is a moment in the book. Because, you know, I wasn't exactly on guard reading this. And there was one of those page turn moments where I turned the page and my heart stopped. Um, where I literally exhaled and didn't breathe for a second. As I read quickly to finish the next couple panels. Um, and like, literally, my breath was held. And I was having, I was like, i it literally caused me a panic moment. Um, and if for no other reason... Tom Taylor talking to the audience and the fact it was good enough to actually impact me. I put it in my polls for that. Um, and so that's a factor. Cause you know, that makes a difference. Um, uh, sticking with the Batman world. I'm um, just going to go ahead and throw out there um, the long Halloween special. Did you read this one?
0: I did not. There were okay. a lot of books on the shelf, and I was like, eh, eh. Um, Choice, choices had to be made.
1: No, fair enough. Uh, and I'll say this. If you are a fan of the classic Long Halloween, which uh, the only way you're not a fan of Long Halloween is if you haven't read the Long Halloween. Or That's I don't her. trust you. Um <laughs> Or Hector doesn't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. Um because Todd Turner, I think, was just reading it like recently for the first time and he was like, Oh, snap. Yeah. Well it's The Long Halloween mm-hmm. is one of the best Batman books and it inspired The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Returns and stuff like that. Or and The Dark Knight, yeah. Um or not The Dark Knight Returns, The Dark Knight Rises. Um
0: Lots of stuff went
1: down. Yeah. There's a lot of good canon stuff in the book. So, um basically this book is a canon follow-up to the long Halloween that doesn't feel forced or yucky. Ooh. Um is, I got to now I got to go pick it up. Um it is <sighs> it is Calendar Man's Retribution to um what was done to his name and reputation. Because of the events of the long Halloween. Um, mm. it, it is Jim and Batman commiserating over the loss of Harvey. Um, and it is uh, Harvey's wife, Gilda. Right? Gilda? Yeah. Um, it is Har- <laughs> It is the return of Harvey's wife, Gilda. Which, if you've read um, the book, uh, I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't. Uh, Gilda has a significant role in the long Halloween. Um, and it deals with a lot of that. Um, I will say, uh, the overall whimsical, joyful, warm, fuzzy moment of the book is that part of the storyline is, um, you know, if you read the long Halloween, the, uh, dark victory came after that. And dark victory was the installation of Robin in a two face story. Um, well, this is takes place where Robin is now existing in the Long Halloween universe, and um, also in this storyline, because Dark or Long the golly the Long Halloween is its own canon thing. Um, Barbara is Jim's niece, not daughter. Hmm. Um. And so she is visiting, and so Jim comes to Batman to ask him if his niece can. Trick or treat with Robin. <laughs> so you get Barbara and Dick trick or treating together, and so the, her Batgirl costume was literally a costume she made just to go trick or treating with Robin, and it's super cute. Um, Aww, and that's warm heart, But like I'll say this: it was a addition to the long and an addition to the long Halloween that I didn't feel gross about. Um, and that was honestly, when I saw that it was coming out, my first response is don't touch the long Halloween. Nobody yeah, don't need, do that. Nobody needs that. Nobody, nobody's asking for that. Don't do that. Um, but, yeah, in essence, <laughs> what?
0: What? <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> um, but, uh, no, it was dope. Um, it was genuinely a good book and I enjoyed reading it. Um, and my last standard pull of the month um, is uh, the "Me You Love in the Dark" number four, which is the next to last issue of this book. Um, it is going to be concluded in issue five, and, and we're, we're
0: four for four on Hector's recommendations of this book. So I think I th- are we getting uh, I I haven't picked it up yet, so I'm still not getting the point clearly. Which means I, I have to read this now and tell you you're right next time.
1: Um, but yeah, it's the the premise is an artist secludes herself in a spooky old house for inspiration and develops an increasingly intimate relationship with the ghost that haunts it. Um, and we've officially crossed the line where it's no longer. Um, Weird and awkwardly creepy. Um, It's to the point where. Now. The ghost has. Worked its way. Or the monster ghost demon. I don't know what the crap it is. Every time they give (laughs) us a clear shot of it. It's worse. Um, Mm. uh, But it's become to the place where. They've developed a intimate. Romantic relationship. But it's turned. Into a creepy, uncomfortable, um, possessive relationship, um, where, uh, it stops just looking about a fantastical tale and being a pastor and working in counseling situations and living with abusive, uh, adults in my life and things like that. And people that are, you know, narcissistic and a lot of just, I've seen some dirt y'all. Um, and reading this genuinely made me uncomfortable, not because of a monster or a ghost, but because this displayed some really accurate human emotions and situations of what it's like to be in a toxic relationship to the point where that the artist who came there to find a muse and find freedom looks like someone who is suffering domestic violence or emotional badgering or that she isn't free to actually live her life without being followed or whatever and it it just really turns into uh this ghost monster demon thing has possession over her but not in a supernatural sense in the sense that a toxic or abusive spouse or boyfriend would Hmm. and it genuinely went from giving me the heebie-jeebies on the spooky level to giving me the I'm really uncomfortable on the adult level there's also a hint of the heebie-jeebies but just just a hint just a hint but um man I feel like Scotty Young is saying some personal stuff with this and um hmm. There's a moment towards the end of the book where it truly takes a turn to the supernatural and the horror and everything else. But I'm telling you, that wasn't as disturbing as just the relational aspects. So, I this is a four issues of this, and I've felt perfectly satisfied recommending it every time. I still do. But, man, this has not... I I mean, if you go back and listen to the last episode where I talked about this book, I I said this is about to get rough. Um, And I was 100 percent right. And I don't know how this will end, but I don't think it'll be good. I mean, it'll be good in terms of good writing, good storytelling. But I don't I don't see this as being sunshine and bubbles. Um, This honestly feels like an allegory tale for abusive relationships. The me,
0: that's, the that's dark. Some, Yeah. Merry that's Christmas. some stuff. Merry Christmas.
1: <laughs> What's which, which I'm sad too, by the way, because, you know, we are, you know, as you're going to talk about, like, I don't think the next, the final issue of this book will be out in December. Our, the the last issue of this book, I think drops December 1st. So we won't have a mm. pull
0: list after that until like February. Um, yeah, Keep that in mind. Yes. Our, our, our fall winter break approaches um, and we'll cover that towards the the end of the show, just to remind you folks, but prepare you as well. So because we you'll, care.
1: You'll probably hear me in February <laughs> coming back to say yeah. <laughs> this was dope, or not, or whatever. So yeah, go on.
0: All right, let's see. Um, yeah all my all my books are spoopy or <laughs> kind of drag downers, except for maybe one as well. So yeah, that's good. This is the feel good episode. So I have a lot of number ones, but there were some big number ones this week, and we're definitely going to get to those because Hector's like, yes. Because, I mean, looking at the Marvel shelf the last two weeks, with a lot of the X titles and everything else being out, there's not a lot being published by Marvel. So between reschedulings and everything, I was like, cool, I'm here. Stuff happened. Um, Um, This
1: wasn't on my pulls, but I did enjoy Marauders 25. Carry on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there you go um, Image had a couple new things out but the one that kind of landed on my stuff as, as an interesting book is a book from Chip Zdarsky called Newburn, which is pretty much um, it's a police procedural um, it's kind of noirish. Um, it's literally about a retired cop that becomes a private investigator that appears to be working for at least one mafia family if not two mafia families um so he's the fixer and so far the setup in number one is literally that that he's the guy that can show up at a crime scene and be like cool got it and then he walks away and the cops are like what the crap was that and then he like solves everything by the end of the the issue kind of thing and then sets up the longer running story so uh it it's it's interesting art it's kind of cool it's not heavy noir it actually has lots of color in it but it is very much like the grizzled veteran cop becomes private eye that works for the mafia story. And there's, there's a market for that. (laughs) Um, and it's Chip Zdarsky, which has me sitting here going, this isn't what it looks like. Either, either Chip has just established that for me. (laughs) Um, or he's going to write up a straight up story and go, huh, see, I can do that. Um, so I don't hate it. Uh, if you're into that kind of thing, there's a lot of like, noir and police procedural kind of like it, it's very throwback because a lot of comics started here um, in the crime story and the, the noir and crime thriller that it was horror stories and this were kind of where comics started. Um, it wasn't – it was romance, crime and, and stabby scary was where comics really started before the superhero um, crowd kind of came along and there's kind of a throwback going on right now. Um, So if you're into it or you want to be into it, Newburn was kind of a fun uh, journey. I'll pick up more to see what happens, that if Chip's just telling a straight-up story or if I'm going to get a crazy Chip Zdarsky, um, you know, you just never know with Chip, and it's completely fair. He's in this book, just like he did in Crossover. He put himself towards the end of the book, and it's like, I see what you did, sort of, kind of. So, yeah, speaking – um, of the one book that's kind of the happy-ish story, <laughs> in my polls, uh, Moon Knight number four. Moon Knight is still delightfully Moon Knight. I did enjoy um, this one. Right, um, that after the last one, I was like, oh no, don't go, don't get super lost in this story of fighting the other fist of Khonshu and all that stuff. Let's let's not let's not get lost here. Um, he reunites with his his good buddy um, from the West Coast Avengers. Uh, Tigra, because that happened. Yep, that happened. Um, but it wasn't terrible CGI. Um, it was it was quite good. And they solve kind of an intermittent mystery to kind of things going on. He's still seeing his therapist and dealing with all the wonderful stuff that comes with um, having multiple personalities and battling kind of the world and darkness and being the hand and well sorry can't say hand fist uh, of Kanchu and and owning the night and everything so it was a filler but i think it's a good filler to reground us in what the moon night um universe is supposed to be or what it currently is and more and more people are picking it up issue number three actually went to multiple reprintings even though nothing happened in that book um I point that out because usually when that happens, it's speculators like, oh, it's an appearance of, a death of. Nope, it's just everyone finally figured out that Moon Knight's kind of good and they should be reading it. Um, so, good stuff. Um, if you're into s- just – yeah, go for it.
1: I was just going to say um, there was some – a lot of the storyline of this one was uh fixated around uh, Moon Knight's finances. Yes. Um, and that was a big plot point. But uh, Moon Knight has some really good dialogue in that on um, that, like, nothing good has ever come from a wealthy priest. And I was like, ooh. Yeah. And Ugh. he was like,
0: all this all this money means nothing. It's about what I'm doing and the mission. He, there was a really good conversation because they're like, ah, we're taking all your money. You're just a dude in a suit. And he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep
1: <laughs> and uh i'm gonna post some of those uh screenshots
0: in my insta and stuff later so yeah i thought that was pretty good um because he's like cool do that thing let me know how it works out and he, the guy's like what but, but you're supposed to care and he's like nope sorry fam um uh next book oh uh, yes hellboy had two books come out over the last two weeks um Hellboy kind of comes out in minis now. It's either a single issue, ones and twos, but uh, I think this is a five-parter that just it started. Is. It's a it's a four or a five, and it's the Bones of Giants. And so BPRD, Hellboy, um, they're called in on this thing out on a frosty tundra, and um, they find this hammer. It seems really familiar um, from lore and nobody can seem to pick it up. Everyone's tried to pick up this hammer that no one knows anything about mysteriously. Um, Also lightning is involved. Right. (laughs) Lightning struck the individual that was holding it at the time and crispy crittered him. And they're like, so everyone's like, cool. So you can't pick up the hammer, huh? And all of us are literally screaming internally at this point because it it it, it's the thing it 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 is it's thor's hammer we're gonna do thor um and it is and hellboy walks over and picks it up and does the you mean this (laughs) which i'm not i'm gonna say for for a for a hellboy book i i just i it wasn't it wasn't cap (laughs) um picking up the hammer squeals but it was equally (laughs) of course hellboy is worthy um But by the end of the first book, he finds out that he now can't put it down. (laughs) And we've got four more books to go on this journey of why the Hammer has chosen Hellboy to protect Midgard. And he has a few visions that kind of allude to this. So uh, Hellboy is going heavy in Norse uh, for the holiday season, and I am all about it. Um, Hellboy is always interesting to me because it pulls from a lot of tales throughout history myths etc and they dabble in all the crossing paths so I'm really curious where this one's going to go because it's really well established lore um so yeah uh I'm I'm here for it it's exciting it's wonderful so give that a shot and my final like regular pick is we talked about it the Arkham City the Order of the World like the really dark book that came out but their first one that um, we both talked about in the last episode um, yeah, this is definitely the movie seven in <laughs> in Gotham <laughs> and it is all kinds of twisted and it remains twisted so if you're looking for that really dark, um, gritty and not cartoony like this this one like is slightly unnerving it, we're being introduced to characters we know and some we don't from Gotham's underworld but wow does this have a dark tone and it's so different from the stuff that we're used to so um, I, I don't want to yeah. be negative but I just want to say I wasn't impressed really? yeah I mean I guess I expected it to be kind of um interesting and all that but so yeah but if you're into the super darkness and everything you might be interested to see where the rest of the story goes that's where i'm at is that i want to see how this wraps if it just becomes broody and dark and everything for another book then you're probably right that's probably where i'll lose interest um but that's where i'm at for that and i know we're here for for the big um, number ones, and I know Hector's like super excited. No, nope, so, you got it. <laughs> I really not, no, not at all. Um, because yeah, let's shift over and talk about the number ones because there was there was some stuff. Um, Tom King is just wrapped up his stuff on Strange and Rorschach and everything, and he seems to just be pulling from you know, deep cut or from random parts of the DC universe and, uh, the human target number one landed with another Tom King tale of, we have a mystery to solve. And yeah, I'm, first of all, I want to, I'll talk about the art and then I want you to talk about all the wonderfulness that is human target in general. Um, but just picking this book up, I saw flair of Darwin Cook, and oh, yes, Darwin, it
1: had strong Darwin Cook vibes.
0: And we lost Darwin um, far too early in his career, um, but he's produced some amazing imagery of the Justice League and of just so many DC characters in general that this book felt very um, Darwin Cook, and just made me kind of feel warm and fuzzy inside that we would see that stylization and that type of storytelling again that people uh we're going to have to wait to see again if Tom King gets lost in his own storytelling world again or if we get another Mr. Miracle out of this but so far it's setting up as a mystery um and kind of figuring and working backwards in how did we get here and why are we here and everything is just great but Hector is like a giant fan of the human target so I want Hector to kind of lay out some of that for folks of well who's the human target and why do I care tell tell the world Hector
1: so human target uh is an old DC property um but beyond that like and this is one of those I enjoyed it's rare that you hear me say a superhero show is better than a book in some ways or another um but uh human target was a dope show to me um was a fox show uh but the basic concept is it's a spy type industry thing where uh you hire this guy chase um this chase right chance you hire this guy chance to basically put himself in the line of danger for your sake um and uh Usually that comes out in good stuff. Now, one of the cool things about this, about the series, the like TV series, which if you want to Netflix it or look for it or whatever else, and you like general action stuff, you won't be disappointed. Um, But it Mm. was, uh, they jumped on the train of Jackie Earl Haley existing um, in the early, late 2000s, like around the time that uh, the Watchmen movie was dropping and. Beyond that, like uh, you know, when Jackie Earl Haley was also Freddy Krueger, like everybody was trying to like cast him and stuff, and he got to play basically a really cool psychopathic dude in the in Human Target. And he kind of made the show. Um mm. There's also uh actors that are better than actors from like Luther and Torchwood and a lot of uh, the nerd stuff. So if you enjoy nerdy action stuff, Fox actually made a really good show with it. Um, but, you know, that also led back into comics and, you know, I branched back from the comics into that. Um, and I'll say this on the book, it's a, you know, uh, and then I'll toss it back to you. Like I, uh, this definitely feels more like a Tom King story than Mm -hmm. just the human target that I read or read in the books or saw on the show. And I'm not disappointed in it and all um uh but i will say that like uh it looks like i mean it just strongly feels like it's another tom king superhero noir story um
0: yeah I'm not it me- definitely has that vibe
1: yeah so what was cool for you about it
0: i think the main thing is we're we're seeing lex luther Um, In kind of a mainline story where Lex had been highly involved in bits and pieces of, well, I mean, throughout New 52 and then early in Rebirth, like in the Superman lines, we had lots of Lex. But I feel like Luther hasn't been getting his love lately and them dropping Luther into kind of everything was – well, it – it felt like comics and real world clashing because like the entire story is someone trying to kill um, Lex and he's like giving like an Apple Ted talk kind of thing like the, I've got the new solution to the world and I'm amazing. And some crazy dude tries to like kill him and he's hired the human target to be him because that's what the human target does. Um, Takes the round for whoever he's working for. Hence name. Got it. People figured that one out. Good. It's that easy. Um, but that something weird has occurred and that's kind of the mystery that they're unsolving. So for me, I just A, I was lost in the this feels so much like Darwin Cook that I'm a happy individual. That's gonna keep me around for a while just because that's another art is driving um story and why I'm here. Um but I also kind of wanna see it is this Alex really is the bad guy pulling like a double triple quadruple cross type thing or is there more to it? And that's the story he sets up and I won't give it away because it is kind of the story is it seems obviously Lex Luthor with a potential red herring in a different direction, but I get the feeling it probably isn't going to be what we think. And Tom King, when he does that, I feel does well. Um, I think Strange, Adam Strange was just a weird character. Um And the story was so complicated that he probably got lost telling the story in and of itself. So it's either going to be a repeat of we go four issues and go, wow, this is really good. And then the fifth one, we're like, what are we doing here? And then it gets to the point 10, 12 issues later. Um, So I at least want to go for the ride for the art and see if it sticks in those lines. That's kind of where I'm at.
1: I'll say this too. um, On the fact that it's Tom King and – Tom King has consistently added a lot of spiritual elements to his stuff, like from vision on, he even had like Bible stuff when he did Grayson. Um, but, uh, as I went back and checked out, uh, one thing too, I really enjoyed is that, uh, there's where a lot of Tom King stuff lately from Batman to, um, even Adam strange quoted a lot of scripture in a positive light. um, Mm this is uh chance the main character is very not receptive to biblical stuff but it right. keeps being thrown at him so like he opens a drawer and the the gritty noir dialogue is uh um there's a bible and a pen in this drawer i take what i need and it's you know he just he takes the, he takes the pen and shuts the drawer and then um Dr. Midnight later is uh, asking him if he would go to church with his family. And he's just like, goodbye. <laughs> and she's like, like, peace. And so there's a lot of those, like where he had Batman, like actually responding to the gospel and uh, vision talking about a creator and all this stuff. He's got like chance, like, bump this crap.
0: <laughs> <You're> right. So, <laughs> I'm out.
1: <laughs> but either way, it's still in there in terms of a representation even if it's not received. And so I'm enjoying that as well.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out because Tom has written a bunch of stories with those, with those leanings and everyone's like, Oh, it's not there. And it's like, come on, man, we're on like the seventh story arc that Tom King has made very Christian overtures about characters. So I I am kind of curious, maybe, maybe we see a full redemption in one of his characters and It'll be fascinating to see if he does, because this would be an interesting place to do it. Um, but I see that you had another book that you enjoyed as well. So hit us. with I'll say what this: you've um, got. I pick. I picked up almost every
1: book that is in Chris's pulls. Um yep. <laughs> So myself and I would have recommended some of them as well. I would have recommended Hellboy and Moon Knight. I probably wouldn't have rec- recommended Newburn just because I didn't love the the vibe and i'd gotten enough noir with uh (laughs) um what we just talked about uh human target but uh i'll say the other one i i picked up um dark knight of steel number one or dark knights of steel or whatever it's called um but marvel and the or dc in the dark ages not dark ages medieval times um yeah i picked that up um did you read that
0: I didn't. That's another one that I was like, yeah, Yeah, Hector's um, going to read that. And you did. Yay. Um, so here's what
1: I'll say with this. This is a alternative timeline type situation where, when, uh, Krypton is blowing up, uh, they send, you know, the rocket to earth, but instead of it landing, you know, when it did and how it did, um, uh, kalil hadn't been born yet mm. so uh jor-el and his mom his pregnant mom cal's pregnant mom i can't remember her name um uh actually were in the rocket together so superman's parents arrived on earth and it immediately gave birth to clark um oh interesting But the other coin flip is they landed on earth in medieval times. Okay. So, you know, Knights armor, the whole deal. Um, so we're getting a DC world that begins in medieval times with the characters you sort of know, but don't know. Like, uh, Bruce is the knight that protects the royal family, even though the royal family doesn't need a protector, per se. Um, uh, Oliver Queen is exactly who he would be in a medieval story. He's freaking Robin Hood. Um, And... Uh, (laughs) And... uh, Of course he is. And, like, Black Canary is labeled a witch. And... Uh, anybody that has any type of magic is locked up and bound um in the dungeon or whatever and that's Bruce's main job um and Harley's you guess it the court jester and um yeah. <laughs> but it's it's I, it wasn't disappointing um it wasn't 100% oh I know 100% where this is going and then um then uh they I'll just say this without a spoiler they merc a main introduced character at the end of the first issue out of nowhere. Um, (laughs) And it's just like, oh. Oh, okay.
0: That's how we're doing
1: this. That's how we're doing this. And it's just like the way they flippantly just like, you know, executed somebody and I'm like, oh, hi. We're playing this game. Cool, cool. Um, So, um, yeah, I'll pick it up again for that but it was a a number one I didn't hate my life for for spending money on i didn't plan on buying it um but i was also like "eh, why not um but i it, i didn't regret it immediately
0: <laughs> there you have it folks hector's number one he didn't regret it this time this time um this time
1: uh but yeah so that's the thing
0: that's the thing yeah and and that's
1: yeah, go I ahead. was gonna, i was gonna say there's one more thing too like i just realized it because thinking ahead with our calendars and stuff of when stuff is gonna come out um before the next episode of the pull list drops um my first comic book i've written for will drop too Ooh. um i for y'all if i don't know if i've actually mentioned the full deets of it or whatever um uh Danny quick's book ace blade uh there's an issue coming out, uh, on the, it's a indie book, so it's not coming out with proper street dates or whatever, but it's coming out on the 14th will be available to purchase online or whatever. Um, and, uh, it's a 42 page story, I think, but I wrote a four page mini story that's in the book. So it's a Ace Blade number five villain season. And I wrote published That's published. Um, and uh it's my published comic book debut um and uh it's a four-page story about a superhero issue inspired by batman the animated series and outcast there you go
0: okay that's the thing So yeah, as Hector alluded, we will be entering our seasonal break over the holidays uh, after the next episode. So we, this episode is now over, episode 62, but episode 63 will be our 2021 year in review. So we will be preparing diligently to wrap up this short season and enter our break so that we can prepare to come back with another wonderful season early next year. So yeah. Just be aware, no, that's going on, but that's going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 62 is now in the books and now in your ears. Hector and I want to thank you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near weekly basis, so don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your favorite podcasting app of choice. We're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, the Interwebs, you know, the Interwebs, or as Zuckerberg likes to say, the Metaverse, and so many other places. So, you know, no, yeah. No, Alright. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, kids, read, read more comics. I'm gonna take all seven continents of the game of risk. The master of epic duels. I can feel your anger and get